Welcome to the Far Above Rubies podcast from the Calvary Chapel Lubbock Women's Ministry. We pray you are built up and encouraged as you listen to this teaching from God's Word. Colossians chapter 3, our theme verse is um, verse 11. It is Christ is all and in all. So that's our theme verse. Christ is all and in all, verse 11. And then um, the memory verse is Colossians chapter, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above and not on the things of earth. So today we're looking at verses 8 and 9, and it is the title is Put Off. So put off is what today's title is. So do you like new clothes? Just want to start off by asking you that. Do you like new things, new clothes, new shoes, new purses, uh, new furniture? How many of you like new stuff? All of the above. I'm kind of like, you know, I, I guess I like new things, but I'm not much of a shopper. So I, you know, I carried the same purse for, I don't know, years. I mean, definitely years, probably five years, just because I like, I like my old stuff. I've got, um, I've got a pair of pajamas. I love jammies. I've got a pair of pajamas that are so old that like the elastic is like coming out, but they're just so comfortable. I just love those jammies. Do you remember the, um, the, the little sitcom in the eighties, Frasier? Remember the dad? And I can't remember his name, but remember he had that old green recliner with duct tape on it because it was so comfortable. And, you know, the boys could probably afford to buy, you know, 15 recliners, but he wanted that old, comfy recliner. And it was, it was kind of a point of contention because it didn't match anything in the house. And, uh, they were always wanting to get something newer and better, but he was like, no, I like my, I like my recliner. Well, today we're going to look at the part in, in Colossians of the put-offs. And as we do, as we go through this passage, I want you to think of each of the things that Paul encourages us to put off as something, something old that you're going to that basically needs to be replaced. Something, maybe that old t-shirt that you've been wearing since high school or that old pair of jeans that is just so comfortable that you really wouldn't be caught, you know, dead out in them, but you just like wearing them because they're so comfortable. Those shoes that have the holes in them, you know. So um, so think of these, think of these things that Paul is telling us to put off as that old. That old needs to be put off. Next week we're going to talk about the put-ons. But today we're talking about the put-offs. And before we do that, before we get into that, I just want to first look at what we've learned so far. So um, so far we looked at Colossians verses 1 and 2. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. So since... Or because you were raised with Christ, you need to be constantly having an eternal perspective. And that constantly having an eternal perspective, I've, I've heard it, I've had the question saying, how can I be thinking constantly of eternal things when the things of earth are right here? And this eternal seems so far off. It just seems so far over that way. How can I 
how can I have that eternal perspective? Eternal perspective meaning that we, we know that, the, that heaven is a much better place and that this isn't our home. This isn't all we get. And so I wish there was a formula. I wish you can say, you know, X times 365 plus Y times 365 equals, but there's not a formula. And wouldn't that be easy? You know, wouldn't that be easy if you can just go, okay, if I do this, this, and this, and then multiply it by that, and then do it for so many days, then then yay, then I'm there. But it's, it's not like that. So um, to keep our things and to keep seeking those things above, remember what it means to seek, to seek those things which are above, means to search, to diligently look for. And um, I remember I told the story about losing my notes, and that just keeps happening to me. I keep losing my notes, and it's just like... Ah, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's so frustrating and you're, and I'm looking and searching and searching. But I thought about another thing, like what if you have a brand new iPhone 10 and you lost it? Maybe left it at a restaurant or, um, set it down at the, you know, as you were paying for your groceries or something. You would definitely be looking for that phone. You would go back to the store. You would employ other people to help you. It would be, you would not stop until either you found out what happened to it you found it, or you had a plan to replace it, right? That's what you would do if you lost something like that. So that word seek, when when the Bible tells us to seek those things which are above, it's like that. It's like you are so focused on that. And, you know, when I'm looking for something, when I'm diligently searching for either something I've lost or something I'm, you know, just looking for and I need, I've noticed that it almost becomes like a physical thing. Like I'm, I'm sweating. My heart is beating faster. You know, I just can't even think about anything until I find that. So that's how we're to be. We're to seek those things which are above. We're to search diligently for those things that are above. And again, I wish that, I wish that there was a formula, but the things that, the things that I've learned help are, are these things, these five things. The first is to be in God's word daily. Be reading your daily Bible, you know, read that daily Bible, listen to podcasts. You know, there are so many things that you can that you can do now um, with the podcast or you can get the Bible, you know, that that just basically kind of you can hear it in the headphones or something. But just be in God's word every day. That is one way that we're able to keep our to, to seek those things which are above. The other thing is to is to worship to worship. And remember we talked about the friends, the the friend that um was that was having a hard time in her marriage and she ha- would would talk to her friend about it and that friend told her I dare you. I dare you to worship right now. I dare you to I dare you to sing how great is our God. I dare you to say your love is better than life. I dare you to sing and to worship God. Your presence is heaven to me. In the, in the midst of everything that's going on around you. So worship, worship. Um, another thing is to surround yourself with believers. You want to have that friend that would tell you, I dare you to worship. You want to have friends that when, when, when you're having a hard time seeking, that friend will remind you that God is good, that, that this isn't all there is, that heaven is a much better place. I remember when, um, when I first got diagnosed with cancer and, and Dr. Kobos put his hand on my shoulder and he said, you're going to be okay. You're in God's hands. And I remember just hearing that was just, you know, it was just, there was so much comfort and how much more if you have a, a 
sister in the Lord, another believer, one, two, five, or ten, to come alongside and say, it's going to be okay. God's got this. I know this looks really bad right now, but God's got this. So be in God's word, worship, surround yourself with other believers, take every thought captive. The Bible tells us to take every thought captive for the glory of God. So when your brain, when your thoughts are just out the door and going like a ping pong ball and, you know, in a million directions, take those thoughts captive for the glory of God. And again, I wish there was that, I wish I can, you know, give you a formula, but it's, it's that process of just focusing and, and becoming disciplined to be able to do that. And the last thing is, be careful what you're looking at. Get your eyes out of social media. Get your eyes and your, your faith out of stuff like that that is going to keep you with con concerned with the cares of the world. So we're to seek the things which are above. We're to search for those things. And we're to set our minds um, on Jesus. We're to be set on Jesus. We're, we're to not do what the unbelievers do. We're, to think, we're not to think like unbelievers think. We're to have our minds set on things above and set on Jesus. Verses 3 and 4 say, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Since you're a new creation, your life is hidden with Christ. Your identity is wrapped up in Jesus. When we become a Christian, our identity is no longer like it used to be. We, we don't go to the places that we used to go. We don't hang out with the people that we used to hang out with. We don't do those things that we once did. We have peace in our life. We have a new identity because our life belongs to Jesus and it's wrapped up in Jesus. So verses 8 and 9 says, But now you yourselves are to put on, or I'm sorry, are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. So, but now, but now is where the, what that starts with in verse 8. But now that you're seeking eternal things, but now that you have a new identity in Jesus, now that your life is ruled by Jesus and not by sin, but now, he says, put off these things. And remember, you're thinking, you have that picture in your mind of taking off that old t-shirt, taking off those old pajamas, taking off those old boots. So you're going to put those off. So we'll keep that in the back of your mind. Romans 6, 6 says, for, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So now that our old self was crucified with Jesus, we're to put off these things. And I'm just going to read that again, verses 8 and 9. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man. So we're going to take each one of these and we're going to look at the opposite or the antonym of each one of these, okay? So starting with anger. The definition of anger is rage, vexation, irritation. So sometimes um, we've been angry for such a long time at 
something, somebody, some situation. Sometimes we've been so angry with um, whatever it is that we're comfortable. It's kind of like that, that old coat that we like to put on and you're comfortable in your anger and you wear your anger and you're comfortable with it. Well, this, this scripture, verse eight and uh, verse eight says to put off that anger. Um, and, and sometimes we're comfortable with it, right? And sometimes we also feel like if I'm not angry anymore, then it doesn't matter. But it does matter. The situation matters. Whatever makes you angry, whatever, it matters. It matters to you. It matters to God. And, and it matters. The opposite of, ang- of anger is calm, kindness, agreeable. So we're to put off the rage, vexation, and irritation, and and think about what the what the opposite of that is. It's calm, kindness, and agreeable. The second thing is wrath. Wrath is extreme anger, usually on an epic scale. So it's anger at the next level. There's angry, and then there's wrath. Okay, so when you're so angry that you just lose it. That's happened to everybody, right? You're just so angry that you just lose it. And nobody likes that. Nobody likes it to where you just are so angry that you're, you've, you've lost your mind. You're just, you've lost it. You're screaming. You're, you know, throwing things maybe. I mean, depending on how, but it's just that angry on an, it's, and it's usually on an epic scale. Um, nobody likes, nobody likes to, to be there. Nobody likes to get to that point, especially when you love Jesus, especially when you have Jesus in your heart. We don't like to be at that place. So the opposite of wrath is peace, patience, and self-control. And we all long to have that in our homes and in our lives, right? That peace and that patience and that self-control. The third thing is malice. Malice is evil intentions or ill will. Evil intentions or ill will. The legal term referring to a party's intention to do injury to another party or to desire to do bad things to another person to make them hurt. That is what malice is. And looking back, um, that usually is when we're trying to take the situation or take a certain um, problem and work it out for ourselves, not giving it to God, not, um, not, not letting God take care of it. It's, you know, trying to, trying to make bad things happen to, or make somebody, maybe if somebody has hurt you, make them hurt back. So the opposite of malice is respect, harmony, and affection. Respect, harmony, and affection. Number four, the fourth thing we're we're to put off is blasphemy. Blasphemy is the act or offense of speaking disrespectfully of God or something sacred. The act or offense of speaking disrespectfully of God or something sacred. So we're to put off, we're to be careful what we say. Be careful what you say. Are you building up or are you tearing down? It's so much easier sometimes to tear down 
With our words, we can build up or we can tear down. And we learned that in our, in our Proverbs 31 study that the, the woman whose worth is far above rubies builds up with her words, not tears down. And I think that so many times we, um, we take that lightly, that really how, um, either way, it's easy to, to, to just rip somebody apart with your words or to build them up. So which one would you rather do? I know that you would rather build up. Okay, so the opposite of blasphemy is worship, adoration, and respect. Worship, adoration, and respect. Number five, the fifth thing that we're to put off is filthy language. So this includes cussing, profane, smutty, or obscene <clears throat> language. Our, and again, our speech should be seasoned with grace. We need to be careful what we say. Be careful how you use your words. Be careful what you're, what you're saying. It says to put off filthy language. The opposite of filthy language is appropriate, agreeable, and decent. Appropriate, agreeable, and decent. And the last thing is, uh, number six, is lying. Where it says not to lie one to another. So a lie is an untruth, a falsehood, and deceitfulness. An untruth, falsehood, and deceitfulness. We're to be truthful with one another. We're to be truthful with God. And I think that that's one of the things sometimes that we have difficulty with is being truthful with ourselves with and with God. The opposite of lying is truthfulness and honesty. Truthfulness and honesty. Sometimes it's difficult to appreciate what we have in the cross, um, what we have in Jesus. It's hard to appreciate that um, until we look at our condition apart from God. It's kind of like it's kind of got, like getting a look at yourself in the mirror when you're wearing those old ratty jeans that you just can't get rid of and you've had them since high school, or you're looking at that old recliner with the tape on it that really needs to go. It's got the stuffings come out and stuff. When we really can get a good look at ourselves apart from God, it's like looking at one of those um, those old pairs of jeans that you need to get rid of. And and I've, I've said it before, until my sin is real, God's grace can't be real. If I if I don't realize how how far I can go apart from God, then where's how how is God's grace going to be real? And that's what it means to be honest with yourself before God. Admit it. Admit that you're angry. Admit that you are angry with a situation or with a person. And you can admit that you're angry with God. Um, I never really realized how, how um, sometimes we can be angry with God. I remember when we first, when we first moved here and we first started, started this ministry, actually just coming here, that was one of the things, and I told this story before, um, you know, we were, Ben was on staff at uh, Calvary Chapel in Rio Rancho as an assistant pastor, and, and, you know, he often would tell me that, you know, he was called to start a Calvary Chapel where there wasn't one, and to be praying, and so we were both praying 
where, you know, where we felt like God was calling us to, you know, to bring our family and to, and to start a Calvary Chapel. And, um, and our pastor at the time knew that that's, you know, that's what we were going to do. And so we were there for about four years and, and Ben came to me and he said, hey, uh, I think I have a place and um, I want the Lord to tell you. And I'm thinking, you know, California, Arizona, maybe somewhere in New Mexico still. You know, we were there right, you know, right in Rio Rancho in New Mexico. And um, so I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll pray. And so some time went by. I'm thinking it was close to even a month. And he said, um, so has God told you anything? You know, I'm really feeling like it's, it's time for us to, you know, take that step. And I said, no, I mean, I really hadn't heard anything. And he said, okay, well, um, I just thought I should tell you I'm praying about Texas. And I was like, what? <laughs> Texas? No, we're supposed to go to Arizona. We're supposed to go to California. Not, it was like, no, not Texas. And so I was mad. I was angry. And it wasn't, I was angry at him for what I thought taking me to a miserable place. And then I was angry at God. And I remember just one day I was out running and I was on the West Mesa out there. And I mean, it's dirt and it's wind and it's hot and I'm running and I'm crying and I'm praying. And I told the Lord, I knew, I was telling God, I knew he was going to do that to me. I knew he was going to take me to Texas of all places. I knew it. I knew it. And then it turned from I knew he was going to do that to me to I knew you were going to do that to me, God. I knew, like, like it was a punishment. And then, and so, I mean, I'm like a crazy person out there. I've got, I'm crying, I'm sweating, I've got, you know, dirt cake to my face because it's just, I'm kicking the dirt and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm literally yelling. It's not like in my head. This is like yelling out loud on the West Mesa out there. I was so angry and, all of a sudden, these little songs that we used to sing came to my mind. I will go where you send me. Where you lead, I will follow. And then it was just like, it was just the, just the goodness and the kindness of the Lord reminding me of all those songs that I would sing with my whole heart. And then all of a sudden now I'm standing on this West Mesa yelling at God, I knew it. I knew you were going to do this to me. And so right there, I don't know how long it was, but that was when I purposed, Lord, if Texas is your best for me, then I want it. I want all of it. Not just going, dragging my feet and, you know, but going because you have called me and it's believing it's your best for me. And I got to tell you, I love it here. I love, I love the people. I love the place. I see so much beauty here. But my point is, it is okay to admit, and it wasn't until I admitted that I was mad at, I was angry at, at God for what I thought he was doing to me. And now I realize that it is the biggest blessing that he, that I've had is to come to Texas, and I love Texas. So, um, there's lots of stories like that that I have, that I have of, of, um, of being just really honest with God. And I think part of it is honest with yourself. Honest with yourself. Because so many times as Christians, we go, oh, you know, it's okay. Or we know the right things to say. We know the right, we know how we should behave. We know what we, 
what we should be thinking, you know, but, but when you're really honest and can say, this bothers me, this makes me angry, this is, is not okay with me. And to be able to say that to yourself and then say that to the Lord. And then we can be honest with each other with that too. So it's um, always keep in mind that as we're looking at these, as we're looking at the put-offs, and let's go ahead and read that again, all, all of it, um, verses 8 and 9. Actually, let's start even in, in verses 3 and 4. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then drop down to verses 8 and 9. But now you yourselves are to put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And always keep in mind that God is the one that changes us. God is the one that does the changing. God is the one that shows you what needs to go. God is the one that tells you that old chair with the tape on it, whatever that is, it needs to go. We only need to keep seeking. We need to keep searching. We need to keep setting our minds on him. And we can just do our best and remain faithful. And, and God gets the glory. Um, and this, this reminded me of a little story, and some of you I've told this before, but um, uh, my little granddaughter, she has a little friend, uh, Maya, and they've been friends since, basically since um, my granddaughter was born. And so they play together, and they're, you know, they're kind of like sisters. They fight together, they play together. And this summer we were at the pool, and um, I call my granddaughter princess. And so anyway, we were, they were at the pool, and a lot of times I would give them things to, to dive for. I would give them, you know, little quarters or pennies or something. And so... They, they'd been playing together pretty good, and um, they got out to have a snack, and Maya found a penny. And we usually sit in the same place, and so Maya's got this penny in her hand, and, and, um, and my, my little princess gets out, and she says, that's mine. That's my penny. And, I, and, and Maya says, no, it's mine. And, you know, of course, hanging on to it like this, and, and, um, and so, you know, Princess looks at me and says, I left that here yesterday. I was diving for that. And I said, and I said, well, okay, maybe you did, but it's, it's Maya's now, so you just need to let her have it. And she's looking at Maya, and she's looking at me, and she's going, but it's mine, but I want it. And I said, I know, but it's, it's Maya's, so that, that's enough. Let, let Maya have it. So they sat, they had their snack. And kind of looking at each other, and Maya's sitting with her penny, right? And, and so they get back in the pool. Next thing I know, my little princess has the penny, right? And she's got it, and she's really happy with it. And, and Maya gets out, and that was mine, and that was mine. And so, you know, of course, I made, I made her give it back. I said, you know, give it back. That's, that's Maya's. So she gives it back. She's really mad about it, and she gives it to her, and you know, kind of played a little bit by herself in the pool, and then Maya's mom came and got her, and we got in the car, and she says, Yama, I am never talking to Maya again. For the rest of my life, I am never talking. If I see her tomorrow, I'm going to pretend like I don't see her. I'm just not talking to her. And so this happens, so I'm like, okay, okay. You know, it happens 
pretty often, you know, they get in a fight and then they're best friends tomorrow. So I'm just like, okay, so we get home and, you know, get in the tub and everything. And, and, and she's still like really upset. I am never talking to Maya again. So I thought, now's a good time for a lesson. So I, she was standing in the kitchen and, um, on my husband's dresser, he has a dish that he keeps all his change that he takes out of his pockets at night. So I went and I got a bunch of pennies and I, I told I, I told her, I said, hey, open, uh, close your eyes and open your hands. And she's standing in the kitchen. She's got her little hands, and her eyes are closed, and her hands are open. And so I, I put pennies in both hands. So her little hands were full of pennies. And I said, okay, open your, open your eyes. And so she opens her eyes, and she goes, oh, I have a lot of pennies now? And I said, yeah, you have a lot of pennies now. And she said, how many? And so I told her, count them. And she said, I don't know how. And I said, you do, count them. So she counted them all out. She had 10 pennies, and they just filled her little hands. And she said, I have 10 pennies, and Maya only has one? And I said, yeah, you have 10 pennies, and Maya only has one. And I said, sweetie, let me, let me tell you something. I said, that's how God works. God wants you to get rid of that one thing that you're holding on to so tight that really isn't, it doesn't amount to anything in God's economy. And really, a penny to a four-year-old what can a four-year-old do with a penny? They don't know how to add it to anything to make it. I said, you know, sometimes God will say, let it go, because he has so much more he wants to give you. And so she's looking at that, and she's going, and I have a lot of pennies, and Maya only has one. And I said, yeah. And that's how God works. God says, let go of that one thing. Let go of it, and he'll give you so much more. And so she's looking at her hands, and she looks at me, and she goes, I'm still not talking to Maya tomorrow. <laughs> so, so we're still learning the lesson. I'm still learning the lesson. And, you know, what is that penny? What is that penny that you're hold, holding on to that God says, let it go? Put it off. Put off that thing. He has so much more that he wants to give you. If you would just take your little fingers off that one thing, he has so much more because you can't hold on and have your hands open at the same time, right? Right. All right. So going back, remember, be in God's word, be in worship, surround yourself with believers, and keep your eyes and your face on the things of the Lord and not on the things of earth. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, that you have so much more for us, that you have so many things that we can't even fathom. Lord, we thank you that in your economy, um, things just add up in ways that we would have no idea. Your word tells us that you desire to give us far above what we could ever think or imagine. Lord, help us to remember these things as we leave here tonight and as we go on um, on this week, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Far Above Rubies podcast. We pray this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If you are in the Lubbock area, we invite you to join us in person Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m. during our spring and fall sessions. For more information, you can visit our Facebook page or give us a call at the church. That number is 806-799-2227. 
Again, thank you for listening. May God richly bless you.